Touch podcast. I'm your host, Drew, with my co-host, Brian. Brian, how are we doing on this lovely Thursday afternoon? <clears throat> Man, it's good. Hot as hell, hot as hell in uh, Nashville, but things are going well. Uh, excited. Some SC made some moves. Uh, brought in Shaq Moore, so that's good. Uh, you know, tough game against LAFC, but... Man, tomorrow's Friday, so can't be can't be hurting too bad. Yeah, no, I mean it, it was a good week. I think um, even you know you kind of hit on the the LAFC game that we watched on Sunday night. I really thought we looked good. Um, yeah, what bad? I mean, we one one mistake here. You know what I mean? Gave up a sloppy goal a minute into the second half, and that's how you lose the game. You know, but I mean, I think we had more chances than that. A did truly. Um, I mean, if Dax actually puts a foot on a ball. You know, inside the six, you know, it's going to be tied up 2-2. We'd probably take a point at home, which is, you know, not a bad result against the best team in the league. Uh, another thing you hit on was the Shaq Moore signing. I know we've been asking for any kind of help for Nashville, just been very stagnant uh, with our offense. And I think Shaq Moore is going to, you know, while he is playing right back, I mean, he's going to bring in some kind of spark to the offense. I agree. I think it, at the very least, it's an, it's another guy – the other team has to worry about right uh and another another weapon that can create plays and and kind of change the game so you know i think even if it becomes a mental thing of like shaq moore's out there now uh and the cloud of being on the men's national team i mean it's crazy you know walker zimmerman and shaq moore like playing side by side is pretty nuts yeah uh you know i never would have thought that nashville sc would kind of have that setup. But uh, you know, it's it's. I'm looking forward to it. I don't. I feel a little annoyed online. Some of the people were dogging Eric Miller. I don't. I don't think it's his fault, really. I think that Shaq Moore would start on any fucking MLS team, so you can't really get down on the guy that he's replacing. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a big Eric Miller fan, but yeah, still. I mean, it's like if 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 Walker Zimmerman went to any other MLS team, he'd start there and replace that guy, like. So that's a little tough to see, but... Well, I think the, the biggest thing that it's going to affect us with Shaq Moore coming in is that we're going to go from a 3-5-2 to a 4-4-2, which is more what, you know, um, I'm blanking, Gary Smith wants to play. Right. Um, so you had a guy, you know, if you're playing that 3-5-2, you either had Eric Miller on the outside or Alex Mule on the outside, and neither one of those is their natural positions. Eric Miller should be more of a right central back, Alex Mule should be more of a right midfield. So I think we're going to see Shaq more on the right side of the defense. Um, probably have Mule coming in off the bench um, on that right wing. I think you may see some of Leal out there. Um, I'll, I'll be interested to see what they do, but I did see that Gary Smith said um, as long as all of the paperwork and everything goes through that you'll see him some in some fashion this weekend. Yeah, that's wild. Which is, it truly is wild. I think that, you know, ideally they get up a goal or two and bring him in, you know, in the 75th minute and just let him run around with the guys just to, you know, feel what it's like. I'm looking forward, their next home game is next Saturday. So, uh, you know, he theoretically should be starting. That's about, you know, eight days, 10 days or whatever. So, uh, yeah, it's exciting. I mean, I, I think, you know, you had kind of touched on it a minute ago, um, you know, Lost in all this stuff is Mule kind of needs to get his shit together. Um, I think he he had that really awesome goal like five games ago and then kind of became this like bulldozer out there, but it didn't, it didn't like really work out for him. It's just one man's opinion, right? But 
his his touches aren't great. His he's not really you know keeping possession or distributing possession at all in kind of whatever role they have him in. So I'll be interested to see um, you know the Shaq Moore signing if it plugs you know a little bit here and a little bit there depending on like the formation they play. Yeah, I mean I think Alex Mule's kind of gotten the the raw end of the stick. Uh, I mean, we talked about it just a second ago, like his out of position. Uh, you know, truly, I, I like him coming in off the bench because he is a spark guy. I mean, he's going to go out there and he's going to run his ass off for as long as you want him to. Uh, but I think that he was trying to do too much within the system. He's not a 90-minute player. I mean, that's just his skill level. Hate to say that, but I like the guy, and I think he'll be more comfortable coming in off the bench. I did want to hit on uh, some interesting sports news uh, from the week. Um, what would it take for you to decline $450 million? Yeah, it was like 440 or something like that, right? <laughs> so I think... Juan Soto is well, who we're yeah, talking so, about. So Juan Soto is a 23-year-old... I mean, some people are calling him a generational player. I know you don't personally follow the MLB that much. I used to a lot more. I still know like he's very good. Uh, and he, he, will, he probably will... It, if he stays healthy, he'll absolutely be a Hall of Famer. He just won the home run derby. His swing is like almost Griffey-esque where it looks effortless, but he just the ball jumps off his bat. Um, and he's just the man. He's, he's incredible. He's, he's probably one of, if not the top, Major League Baseball player right now. Uh, hitter, specifically, I guess. Um, and the Nationals, who he plays for now, offered him a 15-year, $440 million deal. Um, I think, honestly, man, I think it's a world that we don't know. I, I can't answer that because I don't know. I think you turned down $440 because you fucking know you're going to get it from somewhere else. You know, if, someone, if you got a job, if you were at job hunting and, you know, were modest professionals, right? If someone offered you a very, very good salary, but you, I mean, if someone offered you hundred k, you would be like, oh, well, that's incredible. Or sixty k, right? Like, that's incredible. I could probably get that somewhere else. So it's, it's definitely more like, do I want to work there? Do I, or for him, do I want to play for the Nationals for the next 15 years? Do you want to live in Washington, D.C.? Yeah. You know? and I just don't think he does. Yeah, I mean, we kind of hit on it uh, either last week or two episodes ago, just like the difference once you get up to that kind of money. You know, what's like, how much different is $20 million from nine, you know from $18 million. But So it's like, he's probably going to turn around and get a 10-year contract, you know, where he's making maybe 2 or $3 million less per year. But he'll have a chance to sign another con- – you know, maybe he doesn't want the longevity of a 15-year contract because then it's like, what if collective bargaining changes? You know, what if TV deals change? And, like, then he's missing out on money, which right. is crazy to even say. But, you know, there's a chance that at $450 million, like, he could be leaving money on the table in the future. Uh, yeah. It, no, it's nuts. It's nuts. Um, and you think it's very, very, very appropriate to bring up what we had said before about, you know, after a certain amount of money, like, what, does it matter? Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But he, he turned out $440 million. If he signs for $400 million or whatever, his kids, his grandkids, his grandkids, grandkids, his grandkids, like, his five generations of his family are not going to have to worry about money. No. And so, yeah, it's like, if, so, if I was good enough to you know, earn $440 million or have a team offer me $440 million and I did not want to play for them, I would have my agent go simply to the team I want to play for and say, hey, get close. Right. Give him $370 million. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. I mean, and, but then we get into what we talked about the other, about like 
some with the players associations and collective bargaining agreements and things like that, or like whatever the unionization of it is, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to accept the most he can possibly get, no matter where that is, because it paves the way for the next guy to get the most. Well, is that the same in like a, a league that's not salary capped? Uh, I mean, I don't know much about like yeah. the baseball contract. They're all crazy. It's a, it's a good question. I don't know. I, the MLB is actually it's, and we can move on. But it's a little bit. Not only is it not salary cap, but you have like revenue share, luxury tax, like things like that. So it's there's a a whole bunch of other nuances. Um, but regardless, back to the point is, yeah, Juan Soto turned down four hundred forty million dollars, uh, and honestly, the media was like, yeah, I get it. You know what I mean? It's because it's just that's how crazy the salaries have gotten. And they're like, you know, he he turned out four hundred forty million dollars. If he would have accepted it, he still would have been like, I think annually the like seventh or eighth highest paid player. And he's very clearly one of the top, right? So they were like, yeah, they kind of fucked him. It's like they offered him four hundred forty million, they fucked him. Last thing that I'll say on this before we move on to some more soccer stuff is that did you see the report that came out about um, the team? made him fly commercial to the home run derby after he declined the contract. I love it. Love it. I think that's a bad business move. Uh, So I love it for, uh, so Buster only actually tweeted out. He's like that big baseball ESPN guy. He sent a tweet out this morning, which I thought I, I got to say I agreed with, but I thought was appropriate is he basically said, was it wrong for the nationals to not charter him a flight? Yes. Scott Boris, his agent, who's worth half a billion dollars at this point, also could have chartered him a flight as his... Juan Soto is his client. Right. He could have chartered it. Third, Juan Soto, although looking for a new contract, is making $17 million this year. If he didn't want to fly a commercial, he could have chartered his own flight. Plus, he flew fucking first class. So, like... Yeah. It's I, okay, dude. I know, but, like, I mean, it, from the outside looking in, if I'm a player... Like, just seeing the way that he was treated by that organization, that doesn't feel like a place that I would want to go. I think it's funny. I think, no, I mean, don't get me wrong, I thought it was (laughs) hilarious, but I just, like, I thought from their side of it, it's like, you're going to, like, you know this story's going to go public. Oh, yeah. Like, that's a drop in the bucket for these guys. Like, fucking eat the money, charter him a plane, make yourselves look like the bigger people, even though he declined your contract. I mean, like... You know, you probably just lost out on a couple other free agents that are now not going to come because it's like, listen to what they did to Juan Soto. Yeah, I, maybe. I, yeah, I hear you. I, I don't disagree with you. Let's get into uh, last thing I did want to talk about before we uh, get out of the intro section of this is um, just in terms of the transfers. I was looking into Tati Castellanos and the whole transfer rumors with him going to Leeds and now he's going to this team in La Liga. Um, but it's actually a team that's owned under the same ownership group as NYCFC, which he, where he's currently at. So basically, the ownership group owns the Getafe, I guess is where he's going. Yeah. Um, they also own Man City, they own NYCFC, and they also own like Newburn City or something like that. That's like at least four of the teams that they own. So basically, yeah, he got transferred, but there was no like big money transfer to another organization or anything like it's all under the same umbrella so basically they moved Cassianos from the MLS to La Liga and so now he's gonna if he performs in La Liga now they can turn around and sell him outside of the organization or Man City picks him up 
Yeah, that's super interesting. I, something feels like a little nefarious in that, right? It does feel a little dirty. I mean, I, I don't know what it is about it, but... Um, it's almost like cooking the books, like money laundering. Like you're just like moving your assets to cover up something. You're kind of just like taking a chance on the guy. I guess so. You know, it's like, okay, like we think... like Because they had offers for him. Don't get me wrong. Like there was offers that were for yeah. him, but they weren't at the valuation that they thought. I think they were saying that they wanted a valuation of somewhere between like 12 and 15 million Mm -hmm. and all the offers were coming in right around like 10 which is like come on like for dropping the bucket right right and but if you have the chance to get him over to this other team for 10 which is his market value right now maybe he shows out in the league of the next year or two years or whatever and then he can you know you can sell him again it whatever it is it's interesting I, i like your take more like they're taking a chance on the guy and also, you know, maybe it's a way to funnel a little bit of cash into the New York team and help them out in the future. Or, yeah, I don't, I don't know how that works. I mean, I think it's super interesting. Uh, I guess you're right. It is a gamble. You know, they're gambling on their own guy. Right. And, and they're promoting him, so to speak, to, to a bigger league. And, you know, it's an investment at this point. If he performs, they'll flip him for $40 million to, or 30 whatever it is, $20 million, You know what I mean? They'll make money on it. I think that um, maybe this offseason – you know, when we have some downtime, I may do some research on like the logistics of the transfers and transfer windows and all that kind of stuff. Because I think that would be, and you know, all for all the listeners out there, if you if that would be something you'd be interested in hearing during the off season, let us know. I mean, I'm happy to do the research on it because I'm genuinely curious. Yeah. But that could be a cool episode to do, just like kind of running through the business of soccer. Yeah, dude, I would love that. I mean, I would, I would, I would enjoy doing the research with you. I think all I know of it is when I try to do like FIFA Ultimate Team, I just like piss off everybody because I mold on like every, you know what I mean? Like my transfer fees and stuff. Like I just don't, I can't keep up with it. I was, uh, I was actually laughing about that with uh, my roommate the other day because I was like, I was playing on our season with Nashville and I was doing some contract negotiations and I was having to re sign Anibal Godoy. And, uh, you know, I've played it with like some of the legal teams and stuff like that and the signing bonuses, you know, they want like, you know, three, four million or whatever. I gave him like a 10 K signing bonus. He was like, Oh yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> I was like, even FIFA, like you can just lowball the hell out of these MLS players. <laughs> yeah. It is re- it's realistic. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the most realistic soccer game. Well, let's go ahead, uh, jump into a little gambling recap from last week. Um, Brian, I had a, an O for a week. Uh, 0 and 4, 0 for 3 on my picks. Didn't hit the goal score. You went 2 and 2. Hit your goal score. So plus odds, plus odds play. Uh, so right now you're up 6.43 units on the competition. Um, and then the casual viewer lost last week, uh, but we're still up 8.67 units on the year. Yeah, you're not gonna win every week. Uh, and, and wait, only one. We missed a by goal. Yeah, missed a by goal. Like over what four games? Yeah, which is frustrating. But uh, well, that one we're certainly keep firing on. I think uh, I'd like to. We didn't talk about this, but it might be fun to do a variation where it's like the typical casual viewer, just four games over one and a half goals, and then um, it might be like the casual viewer plus or like another like tier of it. Because I would love to take, for example, uh, SC and Cincinnati. Like over three and a half, and then New England, Columbus over three and a half, and those are both going to be like plus two twenty, plus something like yeah. that. Just like a little half unit play. I mean, I'm talking games where you're like, look, the last time they played, Nashville fucking hung six on them. 
It was six to three. Yeah. And the last like two or three, I think three out of the four games or something like that, uh, Columbus and New England's gone like over four. Like, so I don't know, just some variation of like like the steroid like casual viewer or something like that. But yeah. We can talk about that later. But hey, we're gonna keep firing on it. That's a it's a fun one. I like that. Another game we can throw into that casual viewer plus would be like under one and a half in like Seattle, Colorado or something like that. You know, like a big underplay in it as well. Uh, so be on the lookout. Check out our Twitter at Gambling MLS uh, for all the picks. We will have those. I think Saturday games don't start till 6 p.m. Central Time. Uh, so we'll have picks out um, either Friday or Saturday morning. So be on the lookout for those at Gambling MLS. Uh, power rankings for this week had a little shakeup. Um, at five, we got Seattle. Four, NYCFC. Three, Austin, giving them the respect they deserve. That's right. Two, Philly. They've been on a tear lately, scoring goals too. And then LAFC, obviously, at one. Um, I don't think there's much argument there. I think there could be a couple teams that you could kind of shake out uh, at the bottom. I'll be interested to see what NYCFC does when Cassianos is gone. Are they still going to be able to score goals? Because, I mean, he's been the game breaker for them. Um, you know, when it's... 0-0, and he gives them a goal in the 80th minute. You know, like, are they going to have somebody that kind of steps into that role? I'll be super interested to see what happens with them. I They may become a fade the rest of the year because getting back to the point of, you know, the ownership and, and, and you know, they're taking this guy away. I think, do, well, do you think if NYCFC had a legit chance to win the MLS Cup that they would keep him there? I think because they won it last year, they're more likely to get rid of it. Like they, that's why they had one, they got one, and then they're yeah. See, that's what I'm saying is I think deep down in the bowels of like the ownership offices, they're thinking like, look, fuck, we're not going to win this one this year. We might get, we'll make the playoffs, we'll get close, but we just don't have what it takes. It's either LAFC or Philly or someone's going to beat us. So let's move them now, and you know we'll just regroup or figure something else out next year. So they may be like fade on sight. Yeah, I mean, or they, just don't bet. I think they have enough firepower still and the team is still good enough and the system's still good enough for them to be competitive which is like all you're really asking from an MLS team like that like be competitive be in games um, I just don't I think that they're going to have some issues when it comes down to playoffs and you've got to have a guy that can create chances and I think he was that guy for them uh, so be interesting to see kind of going forward uh, what they look like alright we got a, uh, a hypothetical for this week um, if you could change any rule in any of the major sports, what would it be and why? I'll let you go first. It's a good one, man. I so I think, and I thought I knew, and then the more I thought about it, it was it'd be pretty tough. So I would like to eliminate pass interference in football, with the caveat that you still have that sort of like five to 10 yard cushion. Like you can't, you can't like set hike and then just tackle every receiver on the field, but like hand checking or, you know, uh, if the ball's up in the air, like get yeah. hit an arm or yeah, something. And maybe, like maybe so like, you know, if the guy gets beat and he just absolutely like takes the receiver out, like maybe that's the one time you do flag it. But if it's like two guys going up for the ball or it's just a contested ball and there's some tugging or like the guy gets there early or it's, you know, it's the gray area, fuck it. Like go get the, either the wide receiver, go get the ball, get open, run your route better, 
be faster. I don't know. Yeah. Because, like, how many times do you see it? And Rodgers is, like, really good at it. And, you know, I don't, like, I'm obviously a huge Packers fan, and Rodgers can thread the needle. But, like, Devontae Adams was always running good routes. Like, half the time he caught the ball, the defender wasn't even within three or four yards of him anyway. Yeah, but I think some of that is because they've – I like your rule, and maybe they just kind of, like, tame it back a little bit. Just like you could call holding on the offensive lineman every single play. Oh, every single play, right. So it's like if there's a little hand fighting here or there or a little jersey tug or whatever, like, just let it go. Like, yeah. you know, I want to see more plays and not – teams just like actively going out and trying to create pass interference calls well exactly and i guess it could go both ways right because let's say you line up in trips left or something like that just have two of your wide receivers absolutely take out the d-backs you know they call that pick play now just have them tackle them like assholes and then have your third wide out go like you know so it goes both ways i just think it would eliminate some uh well the dumbest thing the nfl has done in the last ever years is the reviewing of pass interference. Yeah, I hate that. I, I love, dude, I love it that the refs hated it so much that the first, like, season they did it or first, like, half a season they did it, literally every time the coach was like, I want to challenge that pass interference, the ref would be like, all right, sounds good. Do not. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, I saw it the first time. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> he'd be like, goes to the, it goes to, like, the, the TV or video monitor, he's like, oh, yep, got it. It's like, <laughs> yeah. like fuck you tough <laughs> shit man <laughs> yeah. so uh man i don't know i just think that that um it's kind of akin to like following an nba it's like let let them play a little bit right and i don't know how you can do it with creating the gray area like you know what's too much and what's not but i just think the traditional view of pass interference that, or honestly, in the NFL, make it the college rule where it's 15, 15 yards or whatever, not like a spot foul. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think it'd be tough to kind of like tame it back, but I do think it, you know, just like watching playoff basketball, you know, they let more go in the playoffs. So it's like, just let more go. Uh, I'm not saying you have to completely eliminate it, but like, unless it's a blatant changes the play, right. let it play. Yeah. What's um, yours, man? Yeah, my rule change uh, was for the MLS. And I think it'd be fun if there was a two-point line. So any any shot scored from outside the box, two points. I think that, I mean, I know it'd be tough, and, like, you'd probably get into some reviews. It's like, dude, that touches the, the defender's head in the box. Or, like, did it, you know, was right. it the ball over the line? Whatever it is. Like, it would probably create some havoc at first. Right. But I think in terms of end-of-game scenarios, I think it changes. Like, if you have a free kick at the top of the box or – you know, 25 yards out, and you're down one, you know, do you try to swing across and score, you know, tie it 1-1 or whatever, or do you try to put a shot on frame and potentially win it? You know, it's like kind of creates another strategic element to soccer, and you see lacrosse has a two-point line, NBA's got the three-point line. Like, you know, I, I think it'd be I think it'd be interesting. I mean, like, obviously these are hypothetical rule changes, so, like, it would – be kind of it would seem kind of clownish at first, right. um, but I think it could make for some interesting late game scenarios. Yeah, that's that's a, that's wild a little bit. I do I do like the part about you know what are we gonna do here? Like we need we need the two goals. Like dude, you gotta go for it, right? Uh, which which I think would add a huge element. Uh, it would also. It create you know like whenever guys get free kicks during the game like always oh, trying to inch it forward or whatever yeah. it's like we create some stress on the rest to try to be like oh no dude like it's it's right that's there. where that like, is yeah you yeah. can't um man that's I think that's fun I I for I do 
Uh, well, and I think, you know, something that just came to me is like, it would kind of, I think at times it would probably piss you off because like you'd have guys trying to rip it from outside the box instead of like taking a guy on and getting a better shot. You know, like there'd be some strategy. Uh, right, like, like we don't need that now, dude. Like even in, in like right. basketball, college or NBA, it's like, dude, stop hooking up threes. <laughs> right. Let's like, get the shooter, she'd be like, I'm shooting out of it, dude. Like, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's like, but we needed the three. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think that'd be, a, be an interesting one. Uh, if you've got any kind of potential rule changes to any of the major sports, Tweet at us. Let us know what you think about our potential rule changes of the two-point MLS goal or the elimination of pass interference in the NFL. Uh, so tweet at us. Let us know. At Let's, Gambling MLS. At Gambling MLS on Twitter. Uh, now we can get into some of the games for this weekend. A full Saturday slate. Two games on Sunday. Um, all of the games are going to start between 6 p.m. Central Time and 9.30 p.m. Central Time. Uh, so... Get as many screens as you can if you're trying to catch all of these games. Uh, first game I wanted to hit on, we kind of touched on it a minute ago, was the Columbus-New England game. Uh, so Columbus is at home. Uh, these are two teams that have had quite a few matchups. I mean, they're two of the older teams um, in MLS. I think they're two of the original teams. I, think they, I was going to say, I think they're kind of like the, the original six in hockey. I think they're two of the original ones, or very close to it. Yeah, so I, I mean, I think that uh, it'll be a fun little matchup. And what would you say that... Four of the last five in a draw? Uh, yeah, I was trying to look it up quick. I mean, they've they've played to a draw uh, quite a bit. It's uncanny, actually. So they so this is so they drew their last three games, and then prior to that, New England won one nil, and then prior to that, Columbus won one nil. So in their last five games. Each team is won by a goal, and then they drew the last three. But it's funny because you, to your point, it, it wouldn't like zero zero draws or one like one of them was a one one draw. But they have two 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 draw like it's a bunch of goals, and I mean those are just. Well, and I think the the draw right now when I checked it earlier this afternoon was plus two fifty. I think that's worth a flyer. I mean that at, we were talking about this before we started recording, but. Out of all the games that are coming on, because that they start at the same time as Cincinnati Nashville, I'm probably not going to be watching that game. So I may take a little flyer and just pray for a tie. Yeah, yeah. I think we talked we talked about this earlier. Is that, and I kind of had an epiphany because I in my head I kind of mentally refused to bet draws. I just I hate it. I hate rooting for one. But then when we were talking about it, texting about it, I was like, you know what? It would be pretty damn exciting. If you bet a draw and one team went up by a goal or whatever, two goal, whatever, what two to one or one nil or whatever, and the other team was just kind of like momentum shifted, and you're like, come on, come, like I just need one, I just need one. Uh, so I think that's funny. I, so I'll add to the lure a little bit. Is so not only have they drawn the last three, one of those was a draw, and I'm just kind of looking through the last goal scored in the game, like what made it a draw. One of them was an own goal, which I think is crazy. Yeah. And one of them was in the 89th minute. Yeah. So, I mean, that, I mean, I feel like that's how a lot of draws happen. It's like a team's been dominating the whole time, and then all of a sudden you're like 15 minutes left, and you're like, holy shit, we've got to get one if we're going to get any kind of points out of this game. And so then they really start going for it. Um, and you see teams obviously go down two after, you know, trying to go for it and that kind of thing because you expose yourself. Um but yeah, I mean, and we talked about, we were texting about this earlier. 
is that I don't like taking a draw from the start, but if a team is down one nothing in the second half, I'll throw money on a draw. Yeah. So it's like, why not take it from the jump? Um, second game I wanted to get into was the Houston at home against Minnesota. Um, Houston, since they got Hector Herrera in, I think he played all of last game, and then the game before that, he subbed in right after halftime. And Houston has looked drastically different with him in the central midfield. Um, Minnesota's been on a heater lately. Um, that Reynoso guy, I think he scored, what, six goals in his last five games or something yeah, like that. Not. I mean, just on an absolute tear. Um, I kind of like, um, I mean, it's tough because Houston is like that, you know, you have a small sample size with Hector Herrera. Um, but I'm going to kind of ride the hot team here. I'm going to go Minnesota draw no bet plus 130. Really? I think so. Dude, I, I was just going to say, I, man, I kind of liken this game to when they played Galaxy and beat them 3-2. So I think there might be a couple goals in this game. Although I don't typically associate Minnesota with a team that scores a lot of goals. I think probably because every time I bet them to do it, they just don't. Right. But, you know, in their last, not, not including them beating Everton last night, in their last one, two, three, four, five, Five games, four out of five games, they scored at least two goals. So maybe like Minnesota over one and a half. Yeah. I mean, look, I think they're hot. Uh, we've talked about this in the past. Sometimes you make a bet, and it's so funny to say, like, I would bet on Minnesota and understanding that they may not win. And you may think, like, why would you bet them if you think? It's like, look, they're hot. They're one of the hottest teams in the MLS. They're scoring goals. They're coming off the high of beating a Premier League team, whether it's preseason or not. I don't care if, like, Fucking Everton's grandmas were out there playing them or whatever, right? They're just hot. It's momentum. I'm taking them. Yeah, no, I agree. And if they lose to Houston or draw, like, it is what it is. But I feel like it's the right play. It's one of those, like, you know that you can go to sleep that night. Like, you know, sometimes you, like, you know, I'll put money on Nashville, and I'm like, fuck, why did I do that? Like, I knew that, like, you know, it was a bad spot for it, you know, whatever it is. But it's like, this is a great spot for Minnesota. They're on a heater right now. Houston has looked a little bit better, but like, are they truly, you know, right. much better than they were? Um, so that'll be that'll be a good game to watch on Saturday night. Also, Houston or Minnesota uh, is has beat Houston the last three times in a row and drew them the two times before that. So they've not lost to Houston in five games. Right. So I'm thinking that draw no bet plus one thirty. I mean, I think most likely that game ends in a draw if Minnesota doesn't win. Yeah. I don't see Houston winning. I can see game. like a one one draw. Yeah. Uh, last game we want to get into for the week is the one of the Saturday night games. Um, Seattle at home versus Colorado. Um, the home team has won three out of the last five matchups, and I think they tied the other two. Um, it's an interesting game. I'll tell you right off the bat, Seattle, I looked at it today. I don't know what it is now. It probably will change before game time. Minus 105. It's hard to get Seattle at home minus 105. It makes me actually a little weary to take them. But... I think it's just because they've, they've kind of been playing a little poor lately. They, have, they lost to Nashville. They're on a bad they, stretch they, of games. They, I think they lost this weekend. I forgot who they played. but uh, uh, Chicago. I had I had that on the card. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So they've, they've played poor. I think, actually, it's a, it's a spot for them to be back at home in front of their you know the pretty good fan base. Uh, and, and Colorado also like hasn't been great. I mean, they fucked the dog at, in, they, at home against Orlando. They just played terrible. Uh, and uh, so I think, look, 
I think it's a great opportunity to get some value on Seattle at a time when they kind of need a rebound game. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'm still hung up on that that phrase. You fuck the dog. <laughs> yeah, did you never heard that? Before? <laughs> no. I was like, I'm gonna let him finish his thought. But I was like, I gotta get back to that. Fuck the dog. Yeah. yeah. You don't ever want to fuck. Screw the, dog. the pooch. Yeah, screw the pooch. Well, the same thing as fuck the dog. I mean, well, screw the pooch kind of rhymes. Oh. Fuck the dog. It's just aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I agree with you. I think that this is like just off of history. Home teams have won these matchups. They're low scoring, so I wouldn't. I'm not looking to put them in the casual viewer or take an over on this game. I think it's a a low scoring game that one team wins one nothing, two nothing. Yeah, I mean, I I, I could totally see that. Uh, I just I think the bet is Seattle in that game. Yeah, barring a red card. Yeah. Oh, well, oh. Gosh, yeah. It's like disclaimer. All right, well, let's let's get the uh, the casual viewer. Uh, we already settled on this. It's plus 120 right now. So this is four games, all of them over one and a half. Uh, Columbus, New England, we touched on that game. Cincinnati, Nashville, touched on that game. Um, KC, LAFC. KC's at home, but KC is horrible. I think LAFC gets two themselves. Um, and then the last one is going to be the nightcap. So hopefully all three of those hit. And then the last game of the night, you're just asking for two goals from Portland-San Jose. And I think that that's a 1-1, a 2-1, hell, maybe a fucking 4-1 game. I mean, I think that's going to be a game with a lot of goals. And so hopefully we can we can flip that game on at, you know, at 9.30 tomorrow or Saturday night and just beg for two goals. Um, so that's plus 120, Columbus-New England, Cincinnati-Nashville, Kansas City-LAFC, Portland-San Jose. Uh, we, that will be out on our Twitter, at GamblingMLS, so check us out for all the picks. Last thing I want to hit on before we get out of here, the hot take segments. People have been liking those. We've been getting some feedback from some of the people that have been listening to the podcast. Um, I went food-related again. Uh, I know that there was qu- quite a bit of backlash on the Thanksgiving Day <laughs> food take, um, so I'm back at it. And this oh, is what, oh, what is it? So, yeah, this one is salmon is the topic. Salmon. Salmon is how we say it down here in the South. No, I hate people. Yeah. Salmon. Sounds dumb. Yeah. Um, But I think that salmon is a very, very, very overrated fish. I think if you're a, like, I think people that truly like eating fish like something a little different, not tilapia or salmon. They want it, you know, redfish or snapper or something grouper, you know, like something more almost has like the, is gamey the right word for it? I know you say that about, like, duck and some other, like... Fishy. Fishy, yeah. But, you know, like, it has, like, that salt water taste to it. And salmon is more... It takes on more of the flavor that you cook it in than other fish do. I don't disagree with you. So, this... I, I Gosh, I don't want to sound like a jerk. I might catch a little bit of hell for this. Is I liken people that enjoy salmon or, or, or hold salmon in a high regard. It's the same way as if... People tell you that Jim Beam's good bourbon, right? It's like they just don't know. It's fine. Like when when I grew up in Wisconsin, I mean, Sam, like you don't, you weren't importing a bunch of fish. Like it's just not a big like you know. It's either freshwater fish or like, you don't have like a lot of options, right? Right. So people are like, oh, salmon's like must be incredible. Oh, go to a restaurant, I get salmon. Yeah. I get. Oh my gosh, the salmon is the main entree. Salmon, blah blah blah, right? And it's like no no no. There's tilapia. There's like mahi. There's a ton of other ones, right? 
And it's just the same thing. It's like, if you don't know that there's a thousand bourbons out there that are way better, it's just like, oh yeah, no, my bourbon's Jim Beam. It's like, yeah, it's either Jim Beam or Wild Turkey. And I don't have anything, like, don't get me wrong. Like, if I sit down at somebody's house and they're serving salmon, like, I'm going to eat it. Like, there's nothing against it, but I'm never going to go out of my way to, one, pick up salmon at the grocery store. Like, I'm just not going to. And I'm sure shit not going to pay for somebody else to cook it for me. Like, if there's yeah. a good piece of fish at a steakhouse, which was another one of my, like, potential hot takes, was at a good steakhouse, if there's, like, a really nice piece of fish, and, like, obviously, like, different people like it prepared different ways, but, like... If there's something that really catches my eye of fish, like I'm very likely to get that instead of a steak. I love like a very well prepared piece of fish. I like how light it is. Um, I mean, they say that like that you know Asian people live longer because they eat more fish and it has like those oils and obviously you're not taking in all the red meat and all that kind of stuff. So like, there's definitely health benefits to it as well. Um, but salmon, I'm out on. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I, so I will say that a little bit of a kind of curveball is that I think it kind of depends. There's like free range salmon and like farm sockeye salmon. salmon. Like there's yeah. different. There might be like little different kinds. I don't mind it. I, I probably haven't had it in two years, so I'm not sitting here banging the drum for it. Uh, but I I agree with you that there's like a ton better uh, options than salmon. But you know, if like somebody was like, Hey, I want to do fish this week. Like that's, and nothing against my mom. I would not choose salmon. Nothing against my mom. But if we, if I was like, Hey, I'm kind of in the mood for fish. She would pick up a big piece of salmon from, you know, Costco or Sam's club or whatever it is. And it just like, doesn't really do it for me. Yeah. What, uh, what would be your hot take for the week? (sighs) So mine is tipping. I want to preface this by saying that I believe and feel I'm a very good tipper. Usually a buck a drink or whatever, you know, the standard at the bar and then sit down for dinner. It's 20 plus percent off the total, not with including tax. Now some people do it off like the food total, right? So I think, I think I'm a very fair tipper. I understand the, the livelihood that servers and bartenders and, and people in the service industry have to I, look when I come, when I call in a fucking food order, and I walk in the restaurant, you hand me a plastic bag of food and have a big tip jar right there. No. I eliminate. No, no, no. This is and even I agree with you. I don't want to I don't want to name names, but there's a great place we both love to go in town that has great beer and great pizza that I had a stint at. Yeah. And I know what they make hourly. And they claim like they tout like oh my god you make so much from tips so much from tips so much from tips fine but like to order your food you walk up to the counter to order a beer nine times out of ten you walk up to the counter like i get it but also that same place has crushed it i got a question for you though and you have some insider knowledge on this is it a tip sharing place like do they yes. share with the kitchen and everything no, they don't share with the kitchen the kitchen guys make over 20 dollars an hour okay so that's that's my problem with the whole tipping aspect like when i go and i pick up i run up to the deli that's you know over in east nashville and i'm picking up breakfast or whatever and i don't know if they're tip sharing or am i tipping the person that's working behind the desk you know because i don't i don't mind if like okay i picked up a breakfast burrito i'll throw two bucks you know or whatever for a tip, but is that going, like, I would rather that money go to the kitchen, the people that prepared my food, because nobody cleaned my table, nobody took my order, nobody did that, so it's like, 
and they have the, all the iPads where they turn the screen around to you, and it's already preset on twenty five percent. And I'm like, but that, that yeah, that is outrageous. Yeah, that that is outrageous. Because I'm I'm a, like I've worked in the service industry in college. I was a bartender, so like I understand like I've always been a very good tipper, twenty percent. Like I go on the the higher side of twenty percent. Like if it's yeah, you know close totally. or whatever. So like I don't have a problem tipping when when I'm actually getting a service. But if I'm going to pick up the food or uh, you know, and beers are now getting outrageous. So like a dollar beer is kind of like that. I think that's still fair because if you're tipping twenty percent on a six beer tab, then all of a sudden you're like, well, yeah, it was seven dollars a beer when really you just popped a fucking lid for me. Like I'm gonna tip you six bucks. Yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. And I think it's just, it's very. I love the place I was referencing. I, I adore it. I do. But and I don't mean to call them out personally. I think it's a, it's an industry wide thing. If you pay your servers and bartenders, like, I think minimum wage in Tennessee for a server and bartender is like $2.50 an hour. I made two thirteen when I was... And then you rely on tips, but like, you're passing some of that on to the consumer. I mean, you're not doing anything for me. You're not taking my order. You're not walking the food out. I have to come, I have to walk and order the food. I have to come get the food. I have to go get my beers. I have to go get more beers. I have to bring my dirty glasses back. I have to, whatever. It's like, you're just basically preying on me hoping I feel bad enough to tip and they do it and every place does it I mean like I'm surprised gas stations don't offer up tip stuff now you know like I, it's crazy it's getting out of hand it is it is and and I think you know the worst of the worst offenders are some of these places where you're like clearly like no one told you you could do that you just came to work and just like put a jar on the counter right and it, it, it's just like it's, it's outrageous. I, I, and I, I want people to make money. I want everyone to have a comfortable life. But you can't, you can't have a business like that, pay your employees minimum wage, and then you know when they complain about needing a livable wage, bitch that, that people aren't tipping enough. It's like, no, 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 no. You expanded four times in the last 14 months. I think you got some cash. Right. It's like if you like, want to keep those people around, shell out some money. Yeah, so anyway, tipping. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, uh, last thing I'll say on it is like my biggest pet peeve is whenever they turn the, the screen around to you and the only options are 25%, 22%, and 20%. And it's like now you're making me feel like a dick for tipping 20%. Dude. And yeah. I'm like, that was, I mean, it used to be what? I mean, like for a long time it was like 15% and then it was like 18 and then it was like right. the big tippers are 20%. Right. You know, so now it's like now it's just I'm going to pay a fourth of my ticket in tips to you for not doing anything? Right. So no, it's a, what I was you one crazy. When we go to SC games and we get beers, they like have the little handheld things you put your credit card in and then they, they show it to you and they're they're nice about it. They're like, hey if you'd like to leave us a tip, like they're your options. I always try to choose custom tip and leave a dollar. Because I'm like, why not? I got a beer, I'll give you a dollar. And because beers are so expensive and look, I'm not trying to nickel and dime it's the principle of it, because fifteen to twenty percent of that is like a dollar fifty or two dollars. Yeah. Right? So I hit custom tip, I'm going to hit a dollar. It never fucking works. So I'm standing there like a jackass with 10 people behind me. And they're like, oh, did it go through? And I'm like, oh, I was trying to tip you a custom tip. I was like, I'm going to give you like five bucks, but it won't let me. I'm like, no, I was really trying to give you like 50 cents. But like, it won't because you hit, because it doesn't bring up the, anyway. So, man, this has been fun. And, you know, I want to say, like, I'm a good tipper. But that, there's, I, I think a lot of people actually agree with 
Yeah, I, I will be. Uh, so maybe it's not that hot. I think you'll get some positive feedback on that, especially. I mean, this is coming from a guy that worked in the service industry and made a lot of money on tips. Oh, well, yeah, same, same. So, Bartending, every, yeah. Well, yeah, guys, we appreciate uh, all of our listeners out there. Feel free to you know give us any kind of feedback if you're wanting to hear more of something you know on shows going forward. Uh, you know, we're always open to new ideas. Go to wherever you listen to podcasts. Give us a five star review. Leave a comment. That helps us out. Um, but if you don't have anything else, Brian, I'm good. We will see you all on the next episode of the Bad Touch. <laughs>